the day we finally walked on it was celebrated worldwide as perhaps man's greatest achievement. We looked up and caught a glimpse of just how incredible our own planet was. We called her Mother Earth because she gave birth to us, and then we sucked her dry. Oh. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. I was liking it up until that. Yeah, it's got a little bit of a funny twist at the end, doesn't it, there? Mm. It's both a celebration and a warning. Well, thank you, John Stewart. And uh Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize I didn't realise John Stewart was so into space, but he's written a book called Earth, A Visitor's Guide to the Human well, Race. I've never read it, but I'd like to. I'd I'd definitely yeah. never like to hear Sucked Her Dry again. Just makes me <laughs> feel a bit queasy. How's everyone doing out there? Everyone okay? Everyone okay in podcast land? Because let us know if you're not, you know, and we'll uh, we'll do what we can to help. Check us out over on the interplanetary.org.uk. It's the website literally tens of people are going to. Oh, when you say tens, I'm presuming that should have been followed by millions. I mean, sure, we could, we could edit that yeah, in, Yeah, I'll, I'll try and edit that in. Yeah. Uh, so what's been happening, Jamie, this week? Well, I think we should talk a little bit about what's been happening in history. Oh, okay. I'm going straight for history. 3rd of April, 1966, Matt. hmm It's only Luna 10. Wow. First artificial satellite around another world, e.g. our moon. And as David Baker pointed out last week, that's with a capital M, the moon. Thank you. Finally. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, the Soviet lunar program, which was a robotic spacecraft. First artificial satellite on another planet ever. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 1966. Good year, that. Vintage year. We won the World Cup, Matt. Yeah, we did. We actually did. Imagine that. Might, Might be done again in Russia. Oh, we're going to stick it to the Russians, Matt. And we won the World Cup exactly 900 years after William the Conqueror. <laughs> I think it was planned. I never even noticed that before. We're going to beat the Russians on our own soil. That's if we get to go. Be our way of saying, look, you can come over here, you can poison people, but you will never <laughs> beat us at football. <laughs> you will never beat us at football. i better be careful, Matt, or I might wake up with... Someone putting something in my mouth, mate. <laughs> um, 25 years ago, on the 8th of April, Jamie, was mm. uh, a flight that we've talked about before on this uh, auspicious programme, uh, mm. was STS-56. Oh, yes. The second space flight of Michael Fole, but the first space flight of this week's Astronaut of the Week. Oh, who we got? Ellen Ochoa. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, so STS-56 was a space shuttle discovery. Yes. And it took up uh, a space lab uh, palette of experiments to uh, look at Earth's ozone layer. Okay. Yeah. So shall we talk about our astronaut of the week? I think we absolutely should. Cue the jingle. jingle. It's time for... Ellen Ochoa, Jamie, was born on the 10th of May, 1958. Good year. When you hear about her, you just will go, okay, 
this is definition of overachievement, if ever there was one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes. Should we go through? Should we, should we, should we lay some stats Let's lay down? some stats down. So, uh, currently, she's the director of the Johnson Space Centre. That would be enough for most people, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, I think it would be. In 1993, she became the first Hispanic woman in the world to go to space when she served a nine-day mission aboard the shuttle Discovery. Yeah, so she joins only 60 women, cosmonauts, astronauts and payload specialists, who've flown into space since 1963. So Incredible. A veteran of four space flights, she has logged nearly 1,000 hours in space. She was a mission specialist on STS-56 in 93 and payload commander on STS-66, which was Atlantis, and was a mission specialist and flight engineer on STS-96, which, as you know, Matt, was Discovery, mm-hmm. and on STS-110 in 2002. Yeah, which I believe was Atlantis as well. So she went, Discovery Atlantis, Discovery Atlantis. That's quite cool, isn't it? Sorry for saying 110. Well, I think of that's course okay. I'm at 110. Yeah, but I think with, with STS, you, you, I don't know how you say it. It's a bit like... You can just I know- roll with it. I noticed that Americans call the microphone AKG414, they call them the 414s, which, which mm. was really annoying me this week. But anyway, that's really gone off topic. <laughs> Let's get back in. Okay, so Ochoa was born in Los Angeles, but actually grew up in La Mesa in California. So she graduated from Grossmont High School in El Cajon in 1975. And then she got a Bachelor of Science degree from San Diego State University in physics. And she graduated, and this is really cool, the Phi Beta Kappa, which is, uh, which is an honour society for the liberal arts and sciences and aims to promote and advocate excellence in the liberal arts and sciences to induct the most outstanding students at America's colleges and universities. Isn't that cool? So wow. she's, she's already been noticed as a bit of a bit of a whiz that's super cool so yeah master of science degree in 1981 and doctorate in electrical engineering both from stanford university in 1985 doctoral student at stanford and later researcher at sandia national laboratories and nasa ames research facility and at that facility matt she led Mm -hmm. a research group working primarily on optical systems for automated space exploration. Get this. So while, while she was doing that, she's got a patent on an optical system that detects defects in repeating patterns. Tick. Uh, and is also a co-inventor of three other patents, all to do with optical inspection systems and uh, the removal of noise from images. So she's got, she's, she's got a few things under her belt. She really has. Uh, absolutely amazing. As chief of the Intelligent Systems Technology Branch at Ames, she supervised 35 engineer scientists in the research and development of computational systems for aerospace missions. Yes, so in 1990, she was selected by NASA uh, and became an astronaut in 1991 in July. Good choice, NASA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she served, uh, since then, she served as uh, the crew responsible for flight software, computer hardware, and robotics. Robotics, assistant for space station to the chief of the astronaut office and she was lead spacecraft communicator capcom in mission control what do you think about yeah, that yeah well 
when she was at Mission Control, of course, she was there during the Space Shuttle Columbia disaster. Mm. And she was one of the first people that was informed about the Columbia's disintegration as well. Horrible. Yep. So from 2007, after retiring from spacecraft operations, she served as deputy director of the Johnson Space Centre, helping to manage and direct the astronaut office and aircraft operations. And in 2013, she's become the first Hispanic and second female director of the Johnson Space Centre. So in 2017, herself and Michael Fole uh, were inducted into the Astronauts Hall of Fame. Excellent. Um, so she's married to Co Fulmer Miles and has two children. Aww. And this is the bit I really like, is that she's a classical flutist oh. and played with the Stanford Symphony Orchestra, receiving the Student Soloist Award. What the heck? God, is there anything she can't do? <laughs> it doesn't sound like there is. Do you think she plays jazz flute? Yes, I hope so. And I yeah. believe quite a few other astronauts. Katie Coleman, another female astronaut, plays flute, I believe. The instrument of choice. Clearly. So any of you flute players out there. Right, so Jamie, I've got a really uh, uh, fun interview with Remco Timmermans, who is a space advocate, much like ourselves, and director of Space Up. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. So here it is. A good day. Go. The Interplanetary Podcast is alive! I am joined, there's no Jamie unfortunately, but I'm joined by Remco Timmermans, who a lot of you will know because he's a space social media bod, and so he's always <laughs> out there in cyberspace. Hello Remco, how are you? Hello, hello Matt, I'm good, I'm good, and you? I'm, uh, yes, I'm absolutely knackered from, <laughs> from a complete week of work, but yes, I'm, I'm good, and, uh, and uh, yourself? You're, how, uh, yeah, no, fine, uh, similar to you, um, I've been travelling a lot, but uh, you, you catch me at home right now, which is uh, kind of a rare thing, but uh, yep. So where, whereabouts are you in the world? Uh, right now, I'm at home, which is uh, Nijmegen, Netherlands, uh, which for you space geeks out there is right in the middle of um, ESA Estec and the European Astronaut Centre. I live dead centre in the middle between those two ESA centres. Was that, was that by choice? Did you think uh, what's, you couldn't decide which one you wanted to be near? <laughs> oh, God, no, no, no. It, uh, no, I wish I was nearer one of the two. That would make my space life a lot easier. Um, the reason I travel is because there's absolutely nothing ready to space where I live. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, uh, I, 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 I've, I've met you before via your uh, space up uh, dot org is uh, how i've met you uh, Har harriet um, yes. uh, was with the planetary society in london and uh, put on what i'm um, put on one of your space up events and uh, yeah brilliant event yes yeah and it, and it was it was absolutely brilliant and uh, if yeah can you tell us a little bit more about space up um absolutely um for those of you who don't know um i am the ceo of the space up foundation which is uh, an organization that was uh, established in the united states a charity foundation uh, a few years ago to facilitate the series of Space Up unconferences that kind of in a viral way took over the world, if you like, uh, since its first occurrence right now, about seven or eight years ago in the United States. That organization still exists and is as popular as ever. And we have uh, quite a few events running all over the world right now. And Space Up is all about unconferences about space. Explain what you mean by an unconference. Yeah, an unconference is really a, um, a way to bring 
the uh, the coffee talks, the water cooler talks, whatever you want to call them, the informal networking part of traditional conferences that we all like best in traditional conferences to bring that element of a conference onto the main stage and to really put the networking central and make everything else secondary. So um, what an own conference uh, um, is, how it, how it um, achieves that is by uh, basically starting with an empty agenda. So you invite a lot of people to talk about a certain subject in empty agenda um, and basically inviting people on the spot to determine together what to talk about and fill the grid, as we call it, um, in the beginning of the conference and, and even in, add on to it in the middle of the conference and let the conference organize itself uh, during the day or during the two days um, of the event. So um, really the participants uh, in, a, in a Space Up on conference become the uh, the speakers and the people who determine what's being talked about. A really powerful concept that we've seen growing since the first occurrence in Europe in 2012, a platform that is used by many people in many different countries to, to talk space. Uh, it was really, really good for me when we were there obviously all the topics that came up that people put on their little post-it notes on the board. And I was actually, I, I, I moderated one of the rooms, oh, brilliant. And, uh, which, was, which was real fun. It was just brilliant to have so many people who were so into space and had such a broad ideas about, uh, about what space meant to them, and uh, particularly when it came down to things like Mars colonization and uh, yes. space junk was, uh, was quite a big one as well. You know? and, but yeah. Mars colonization seems to be the one that everyone really fascinates people yeah totally and and you know and that's the nice thing about space up is that in the morning when you come you, you, you never know what what the main subjects will be and, and, and which topics excite people more than others and it's 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 just really fascinating to see how how it develops itself and and how it gets people motivated to talk about these subjects and to really get in touch with each other so in that sense and especially in london where the concept was twisted a little bit from the normal concept where <laughs> The organizers decided to throw a, a number of um, of topics that people put on the on the grid together in sort of a group discussion. I, I hadn't seen that in a space up before, and it it it, it kind of um, turned into a very interesting discussion rather than a, a set of short presentations that you also often see or, or mm. Q and A sessions about a subject. And yeah, it was really interesting to see how how that developed. Oh, so that was actually slightly that. So that was actually slightly odd for a space up, was it? Because we we also had it the was. we also had the talks by uh, some. The, the one talk I really remember was the one by the the medical expert, which I thought was really really fascinating. Yes. Um, but yeah, so is is that kind of the normal vibe of them then? Or um, yes, well, it it is the vibe. Obviously, was there. It's it's all about exciting each other at space and 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 talking about what what. Uh, matters to us most and what you what you do see is to get the conversation going and that worked really well in london just as an example is uh they invited and and again that's that's done in most spaces they invited a few we call vip speakers um mm -hmm. people who have a story to tell and they're invited specifically to tell a specific story and in london there there were a few uh, one was about uh, um, medicine in space. I also remember one of the astronomers from the Greenwich Observatory was there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he had yeah a, that's brilliant. He had, he had a very uh, a very good speech. And what they also did, what I thought was hilarious, was uh, invite a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, John Coleshaw, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I did forget the name, but 
But yeah, it was him. And that was a brilliant interview that, 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 that they set up, I guess, on stage. And, you know, the good thing of that is you have different people who all have a, a completely different angle to space mm. that trigger others to, to say something and to come up with, with something. Okay, yeah, that triggers me to talk about this. So it's, it's really um, a way to, to inspire people to think about space in a different way. And, and that's, that's, that really works well when you have a, a combination of a few of these expert speakers, if you like, together with all participants who then discuss a certain subject. And it's, it's, it's really surprising what can come out of it. And if, if, I, if I may say, um, what often happens, where the way I see space up uh, as being extremely useful and an extremely um, uh, powerful uh, contributor to the space industry in general is that it's often a um, a birthplace for ideas. Is when you put excited, enthusiastic people together and you inspire them to talk about certain subjects, to think about certain subjects, um, some very good and powerful ideas uh, come out. And what we often see is, for example, that Space Hub becomes a place where people find um, um, other people to, to for example, uh, start a business with. We've seen quite a few people who started at Space Up ended up in one of the business incubation centers of ESA, for example, with a good idea that they developed during Space Up, that they worked out at a startup event, at a, at a hackathon type thing, uh, which then slowly turned into a um, successful, or sometimes less successful, but often successful startup. One of my favorite things, of course, is uh, going to the pub with everyone afterwards because it, not it's, <laughs> it's those sort of events often uh, the emphasis is on the talkers and and so that you don't really get chance to speak to the other people there but the, but but I guess space ups all about like making everyone intermingle and talk to each other and it was brilliant it I met is. so many fantastic yeah. people yeah yep same here so yeah a, a day is usually too short especially the, again the one in London there were so many people that I would like to have spent a little bit more time with to talk about certain things and the day was over in like well what felt like a minute yeah absolutely yeah cool. i mean i it was uh, it was the first time that uh, i'd got recognized as the host of the interplanetary podcast so i had my i even had my ego strokes <laughs> <laughs> so, well that, that so, also serves a purpose doesn't it yeah so, no, no, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely so other, other than space up what are your what are, i know that you're involved in uh, in millions of other things what what uh, is there anything else you're ex- particularly excited about well yes um in line with space up um as uh, as Hopefully, most of the listeners know I'm, I'm I'm quite active on social media, and I'm 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 actually running my own social media agency, specialising in in doing social media campaigns uh, for space. So, in addition to my own account at Timmermans R on Twitter, I run without barely anyone knowing 25 other accounts for uh, my clients and customers, uh, all um, all in the space industry. Um, so, I'm I'm. I'm involved in quite a few things, and and one of the things that, um, well, maybe I'm involved in more as a participant than as an organizer, um, that credit definitely goes to uh, to someone else, is um, is in the Copernicus program. Right. Um, so I'm I'm involved in a few uh, um, um, events and and things that happen in Copernicus, and one of the things that I really like best. Um, in addition to Copernicus being, uh, well, having all the benefits to us in Europe um, that, uh, that, 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 that they intended with it, um, is uh, the social events that ESA organizes uh, around uh, the, mainly the launch of these new Sentinel 
um, satellites. And um, I've been witness of two of these launch events. Uh, one took place in Darmstadt at, uh, at the European Space Operations Center uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Sentinel-2B launch, and another one was organized, um, what was it, last November, I believe, or could have been October, for the Sentinel-5P, the Tripomi launch. Yeah, I, um, yeah I, see, I see, I keep seeing these on on social media too late, and I go, oh no, I, I, should, <laughs> <laughs> I should have gone to that, yes. Well, keep an eye out to the Sentinel-3B launch that's happening oh, right. at I'm, the end I'm, of I'm, April. We, I'm writing we it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do so. We haven't seen the announcement yet, but ESA is is bound to organise something again. I don't know what it will be, but uh, the Sentinel three B launch uh, end of April. I think it's April twenty fifth that it's uh, planned for right now. Um, ESA organises very interesting events for their social media followers. Um, what NASA started to do um, quite a while ago, I think the first one was in two thousand nine, which started as a NASA tweet up and then became the NASA social. And and, and NASA's become very good at uh, rallying their social media followers to become sort of citizen uh, reporters for them and, and telling the story on their behalf. ESA is doing something very similar and now specifically focusing on the Sentinel launches where we've seen the, the last two events um, and this whole phenomena of what, what uh, on social media is now referred to as the Sentinels uh, <laughs> popped up. And, uh, and 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 Isa has kind of taken that name. I I forgot exactly where it came from, but but someone coined that phrase. Uh, I think it was just before the Sentinel Two B launch. Uh, all these social media people who all got together to uh, to to watch a Sentinel launch. Uh, they must be extreme space nerds. Let's call them Sentinel nerds. Um, <laughs> and Isa is now using that to uh, well, basically promote the Sentinel program, the the, the whole Copernicus program yeah. on social media very successfully. Um, I need to it's, become it's, a Sentinel right now. I'm going you on do, Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, yep, yep, yep. And to become the Sentinel, you've got to have the T-shirt, and uh, you will only get that if you attend one of those events. So, right, uh, I, that, that's it. That's my mission. That's my mission now <laughs> to become a Sentinel. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So, so just follow that hashtag on Twitter, and, uh, and you'll see what it's all about. It's it's really fascinating to see how uh, well how ESA uh, uh, uses um, the social media community to help them tell the great story of these Sentinel satellites. And it's, yeah. uh, it's really interesting, especially since it's not related to human spaceflight, you know, telling the story about human spaceflight, because there's humans involved, there's human emotion involved, is often considered a, a little bit easier because it's a human story. And on social media, social media is all about human stories. Mm. Uh, but, but when you send like a, a refrigerator <laughs> type box into space with, with very complicated instruments on board and it's all cold and, and technical... Uh, it becomes a lot more difficult, and 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 by using the community that way, it it becomes, I don't know, it becomes a more human, personal story somehow, and it's 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 really cool to see how the Centenards in this case help uh, tell that story. Yeah, I, I, I one of my favourite ever um, space social media type things was Issa's Rosetta mission with all the little cartoons oh, and the, yeah, and, yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. I, I absolutely love that. Uh, just, yeah. I mean, just so, just to clarify something for the listeners who don't know Copernicus, am I right in saying that that is Copernicus program is the earth observation program that Issa run is that that's right, isn't it? <laughs> Um, more or less, it's uh, yes. Uh, I mean, in essence, yes. Um, <laughs> the relationship between the European Commission uh, and ESA is a little bit complicated, but basically, the European Commission has commissioned ESA 
to uh, to launch and build the Sentinel satellites that are needed for the European um, Earth Observation Program that is better known as Copernicus. So it's a program that is uh, commissioned and paid for by the European taxpayers through the European Commission. That is, uh, uh, and the satellites are being built, well, designed, mm. built, and launched by ESA. So is Copernicus like the sort of governmental element of it and the Sentinel satellites, the delivery of that? Well, yes, um, but all, ESA is also involved in delivering the data and that's and that's what makes it a little bit complicated for the average user to see, is this an ESA program, is this European Commission program? Well, it's, it's a bit of both because the European Commission has delegated much of the work to ESA, uh, not just in the, in, in, the, in the design, the building and the launch of these satellites, but also in the dissemination of the data. Um, they're really both heavily involved, but it is officially a European Commission right. programme. I desperately need to become a centi-nerd and get my T-shirt, etc. <laughs> you do, you do, exactly. And, <laughs> and if you get the T-shirt, it will have the logo of the European Commission and ESA on it. So oh, wow. uh, well, that, that brings it all together. The double whammy. <laughs> <laughs> well. I, 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 can, I can wear it to my Brexit. <laughs> oh, God. Events. <laughs> so, um, we, how about we, we don't talk about that? No, we, we, we just get well, yeah, I, don't talk without crying. That's, that's what <laughs> but the, with uh, uh, is so, is there anything else that you're involved in? You are a man of like uber involvement in all this stuff. Uh, well, in a way, yes. Um, my, my mainstay at the moment, I'd say, is the uh, is the program that we're running this summer. Um, through the International Space University. Um, I've been involved uh, with the International Space University since I did. I, I, I was a student, basically, at age 42, um, hopefully without revealing too much about uh, my real age. Uh, but I was a student uh, a long time ago at the International Space University where I did the, the nine weeks space studies program. And I've been involved ever since. And um, this year, I'm really, really lucky to uh, be part of the local organizing committee for the space studies program in 2018, which is going to take place in the Netherlands. So uh, for all of you who are looking to expand your um, space knowledge, then uh, the Space University is definitely something uh, to look at. Um, but also for those who are not necessarily looking to be a student again in a very high pressure program for nine weeks uh, during the summer, um, we are uh, in parallel using many of the uh, of the space people who are visiting the Netherlands this year, organizing what we call the Sizzling Summer of Space, um, which is a, a, a series of public events uh, featuring astronauts, featuring um, um, heads of agency, featuring uh, all kinds of interesting and cool people involved in traditional space and new space uh, in the Netherlands uh, throughout the summer. So um, very soon there will be a website, uh, sizzlingsummerofspace.nl, where you will find the complete agenda of all these public events. Uh, that doesn't only include lectures, but it also includes activities like uh, robotic competition, uh, you can attend a real rocket launch. Um, there, uh, there are, are uh, workshops. There are speakers. There are competitions. There's a lot of stuff going on uh, in the Netherlands this summer uh, that I think is uh, is is very interesting for uh, for a very wide audience. We specifically think of uh, of children, uh, primary school, high school age students, but uh, really for everyone. Uh, there will be something to do. So uh, if your summer holiday brings you to the Netherlands, perhaps then uh, there will be a lot of space events for you to uh, to attend. Consider me there. That sounds <laughs> like it's it's unmissable. I can try and uh, 
wrestle people for some interviews for the podcast. Well, That'd be oh, good. Oh, definitely. Oh, there will be. Uh, yeah, that's the interesting thing about the program. We'll we'll, we'll have about 125 participants. Uh, that we we could call students, but we don't because this is really professional education that uh, that we're involved in. Uh, but for these 125 participants we have over 200 lecturers and uh and, oh, wow. and teachers so uh the student to teacher ratio at isu is uh, is really opposite from what it is in <laughs> in in most universities yeah but it also means that uh, we we bring together a lot of vips uh, interesting people that uh, that that don't often visit uh, this part of the world and and we have them at, at 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 our disposal and we ask these people to uh well to help us fill in all these uh, all these public events so that the public can meet uh all of them and uh and and yeah uh, learn something new about space from uh from 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 all these people that are visiting the Netherlands anyway. Yeah, you, you've, you've got a lot going on. So thank you very much for coming on and talking to me. Absolutely, it was my pleasure. And opening my eyes to a few events that uh, now I have to uh, dig deep into my Patreon purse and uh, and, <laughs> and use and use that well-earned money to come over and... Uh, well, whatever way you can make it work, yes. Brilliant. Absolutely, I can't wait. <laughs> thanks, thanks very much for uh, taking the time and uh, taking up my Skype call. Yeah, you are uh, more than welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What a lovely, lovely chap Remco is. Incredible he, he was, scenes. So when we're, when we're over in Holland, we should, we should get Remco out for a drink. Be cool. For a, for a pint of Heineken. Jamie, let me tell you something else that's going on in the news. Go on then. So nightmarishly this week, NASA has announced that there's going to be even more delays on the James Webb telescope. Oh. And it's not going to launch until May 2020 at the earliest. And it's probably going to cost more than the $8 billion, uh, that the that Congress has put a cap on. So they might have to go back to Congress to get the, the thing ratified again. Oh. So in better news, however, ESA have managed to test the parachute of the ExoMars 2020 mission. So that is a 35-metre diameter mm. parachute. Uh, and that was tested in Kiruna in Sweden earlier this month. So, yeah, it's 195 kilograms of parachute with five kilometers of cords and it takes about three days to fold this thing up i love that so it is a beast of a parachute so well done isa i'd like you to give me a space fact matt only a couple of weeks ago nasa announced that the mu-69 which we've talked a lot about on the show because it's where new horizons is going next Mm. is going to be nicknamed ultima Thule. Is it Thule or Thule? Well, it, it, it's spelt T-H-U-L-E, but it's pronounced Thule. Interesting. Yeah, it's a Greek thing. And I've been looking this up. So it's a Greek or Roman thing. So the, the territory that's most f- sort of located beyond the borders of the known world, so the kind of country at the top of the map, I suppose, mm. The most northern country is called Ultima Thule. I love that. So that's what they've called it because, of course, in some ways, it's the furthest away object we've ever been to. Do you know what, Matt? When I was in Iceland, Mm -hmm. they had a local beer called uh, Thule. Ah. And it was one of the most delicious beers I've ever had. Well, of course, Iceland 
was in the late Middle Ages and early modern era known as Thule. So there you go. No way. It's all it's all coming round. And Greenland was known as Ultima Thule. Oh, okay. There we go. Now you know why it was called that. I might order some online. Uh, but yeah, it can refer to Orkney, Shetland, an island off Estonia, and a Norwegian island, Smula. Well, butter my snips. Yeah, I really like that. So Hubble discovered MU69 back in 2014 when they were looking for the next target for New Horizons to uh, fly by. And yeah. since then, it's 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 turned out that it's almost certainly going to be a primordial binary. Oh, you know I love that. In other words, two large objects, twelve miles and uh, twelve miles and eleven miles in um, diameter. So they're big, big old things. These things. And listeners, uh, if anyone doesn't understand primordial binary, then please just you know just. Just t- just tweet me, yeah. Just just at me and um, use the yeah. hashtag. And Jamie will explain all. I'll, I'll, I'll explain everything you need to know. And did you know, Jamie? It's the smallest object to have its colour measured. Really, it's red. It's got a red spectrum. I was going to say, what colours we talking I think, about? I think just it's red. red. I just I literally can't wait for the for the first of January two thousand and nineteen. It's going to be so exciting that one. I think it will be exciting. I'm going to agree with you. How ace was Pluto? Oh, don't. Ridiculous. So, Ultima Thule was actually uh, named by uh, 115,000 people who took part in a NASA campaign to get it named. They narrowed it down to 29 names, and that was the final one. 40, the members, one. Of the, 40 members of the public nominated that particular one. So there we go. A Thule. Well, I like it. I like it. I'm banking that. So, Jamie, yes. what, what could our listeners do if they wanted to support the pod- podcast? Well, you know, um, I, I think everyone's hooked up these days. They're all on the internet. What is this internet, I mean, what, you dog What ever? I'd do is I'd go to a search engine called google.com mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and I'd just go to the little bar and I'd type in www.interplanetary.org.uk. In fact, do you know what? If you go into Google and just type the Interplanetary Podcast. It doesn't just come straight up, does it, Matt? We own that search. I tell you, we own it. <laughs> I mean, because I know that there's so many different Interplanetary Podcasts, but, you know, we're the best one. Yeah, and if you wanted to hear, like, our interview with Mike Foll, um, then you could just type in the Interplanetary Podcast, Mike Foll, and it will definitely bring up the episodes where we discuss it. What if I'm a new listener and everyone's raving, all the old loyal listeners are raving about our Brian Blessed podcast? What, what could I do? I think you could do the same. I think you could just type the Interplanetary podcast, Brian Blessed. Wait a minute. You've got past episodes that I can still hear. They don't disappear. No, they don't disappear, Jamie. They're always there. Over, now, what if after over listening 70 to that of Brian them. Blessed podcast that I want to maybe donate a few pounds a month? What do I do? Wow. Well, you could go over to Patreon. And go to Patreon forward slash Interplanetary and just find us there. Or go to our website and just click on the Patreon badge, go in, donate 200 quid a month. I think that sounds about right. And then Bob's your your uncle. And get this, we we run a monthly, monthly um, competition for, for someone to go to iTunes and write the best review. And if they leave us their address on our website... Uh, we will send the best review an interplanetary podcast mug. One of the most of sought, sought 
after bits of merch you'll ever come across? It's the piece of porcelain that is most favoured in this solar system. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw that stat uh, out there and I don't a, think anyone could contest it it's a great stat thank you very much for joining us Space Podcats it's been our pleasure to talk to you it's been another wonderful week please take care of yourself and the planets that's beautiful Jamie bye bye see you see you